The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 12. If you're visiting with us and don't have a Bible, we'd love for you just to follow along with us in that pew Bible. And it's a day that I can say to you, if you um, uh, don't have a Bible yet, feel free to take that one. Just turn to page 959 and you're with us. But when you take it, if you'll come by to see me, I have a little Bible study on the essentials of Christianity I'll give you out in the lobby. And visitors, do take just a moment to stop by if you would. Now look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read to where we left off next week, last week, excuse me, and uh, then we will read in just a few moments what we're looking at today. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. This is God's Word. It is, in, it is inerrant, it is infallible, and it is sufficient for all the matters of life in Christ. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed or agnostic. You know that when you were pagans, this is before your conversion, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now... There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministry, I prefer that translation, um, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of, it says activities, again, I think the NAS is more accurate here. There are varieties of effects. So you've got gifts, ministries, and their effects. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may this his word be preached for you. Please be seated. It just seems like for multiple reasons, this has been a very challenging season. I know at least in my own personal life and walking with the Lord, trying to serve the Lord. But there's one thing that uh, in these last couple of weeks that I keep coming back to in ministry, and that is obviously the preparation for God's Word to be preached. And these expositional series around this thematic ministry of spiritual gifts 
It's hard for me to tell you how refreshing it is to get into the scripture in these subjects. It's hard for me to tell you how invigorating it is and uh, how reclaiming it is in one's spirit and soul. Now, you might say, Harry, why would the study of these texts around the theme of spiritual gifts, why would that be so invigorating? Well, let me just give you a couple of thoughts that I had on that because it's so invigorating for me in contrast to much of, of else that goes on in serving Christ in this broken world, that um, it, it, one of the things, I, I was thinking, through, why is it so invigorating? And I just jotted down some things. Number one is this. I am preaching on something I know that's absolutely relevant because every Christian has one. Every Christian has one, and a lot of us are, just like Paul said, ignorant about it. That uh, So I think it's relevant. Every Christian has one. It's not... It's not, well, I wonder if this is affecting people or not. No, every Christian has a gift that they are supposed to steward for the Lord. And so every Christian has one. I also know that not only has every Christian got one, but the, but the use of our gifts is directly related to the effectiveness that we have to accomplish the great commission, live the great commandment with a great commitment. That, in other words, he has given these gifts so that the body of Christ indwelt can carry out the mission of the ascended incarnate Christ. That he ascended, having accomplished redemption, is now sending us out with the mission of this glorious gospel throughout the whole world. And these gifts were given for our effectiveness in accomplishing it. Therefore, our effectiveness in evangelism and worship and discipleship is directly related to these spiritual gifts being discovered, developed, and deployed. The third reason that struck me as to why it is, why it is so important is because when we with spiritual gifts exercise them under the lordship of Christ for the glory of God as we love the Lord and one another, we now are set up to present a counter-cultural testimony to this world. Folks, I do believe cultures are transformed when sinners are transformed. And that's our mission, our message, and our ministry is the transformation of sinners to the glory of God. And the result is cultures are transformed. But I believe that, and everyone keeps saying, I'm, boy, I'm hearing this all the time. If you want to accomplish the mission, you've got to be attractional. Now, I think that's true in a certain setting. But the attraction to Christianity is not how much like the culture we are, but how different we are. Not trying to be obnoxiously different, just functionally different, dominated by the love of Christ toward him, toward each other, and toward the enemies of God to win them to Christ. In the world, you cancel your enemies. In the kingdom, we win them. In the world, we step on and over people for our own desires. In the world, what you do is you bring them to Christ that they may be lifted up by his grace. Let me give you a fourth reason. The weight of scriptures. I mean, listen, there is a lot of passages of scripture, Old and New Testament, that teach us about spiritual gifts. 
just the weightiness of the scripture itself that is given to it. That is given to us. Let me give you one more. And one more is this one. Satan does not want us to be informed about this. Because if we get informed, then we can implement it. And he doesn't want us to implement it. So he'll do everything he can to stop us from understanding and implementing spiritual gifts. Remember Satan. Please don't ever forget Satan's, uh, Satan's strategies. He loves to intimidate. He loves to imitate. And he loves to infiltrate. He loves to... He loves to... Um, he loves to intim- uh, in- uh, intimidate, to shame Christians into silence. He loves to imitate in order to present a false testimony uh, to the world of an apostate church before the world. And he loves to infiltrate. He loves to infiltrate leadership with leaders who are self-absorbed instead of self-sacrificing. He loves to and lead the disciples to themselves instead of to the Lord. And he loves to infiltrate the leadership that teaches and twists the scripture. And he also loves to infiltrate uh, the people of God with the grumbling and gr- uh, slandering, slander and murmuring and all of that that debilitates the body of Christ. That's what he loves to do. And so he won't, he does not want spiritual gifts used where we build up the body in love. He does not want that. He'll do everything he can with his strategies to stop it. So it, it, it invigorates me to get into this. And by the way, the weightiness of the scripture in this is pretty much in the hands of the Apostle Paul, also helped by Peter. You'll remember that Peter, uh, that Peter himself began to realize the importance of spiritual gifts when he was trying to pastor a group of churches in Galatia that likely he had never visited but were upon his heart because of what they were experiencing in adversity and persecution. And so what Peter did, well, let me do this first. Let me remind you our working definition of spiritual gifts. And then I want to go to these framing principles that, um, uh, these framing principles that Peter gave, uh, that we are building on. So here's, here's the definition of, this is the working definition. A spiritual gift is a God designed and God delivered ministry resource. God designed it and God delivered it. He didn't hand deliver it. He heart delivers it. He, delivers it from his from his heart to your heart and so here is the god delivered ministry resource from him to be used in concert don't forget this in concert with other believers enabling Christ's church to effectively exalt Christ by staying on mission on message and in ministry for the glory of God even in the days of adversity that's what he has called us to do that we would stay on on mission, on message, and function as the body of Christ, taking the glory of God and the gospel of grace throughout the whole world as the body moves, empowered by the Holy Spirit and the use of its spiritual gifts. So what Peter does, Peter has heard about the about the persecution, and he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. And yes, they were even fiery trials. And he says, every believer is going to be persecuted to some degree, in some way, in some place, if you live for Christ Jesus. So he then gave them, in 1 Peter 4, seven things that were crucial as pilgrims to be faithful to Christ in the day of adversity, and the 
sixth one he gave you find in first I'm sorry you find in first Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11 for to eat for to each one of us we've been given a gift each one of us we are to steward our gifts as each one has received a gift let him employ it in the service of one another Let us employ it in the service of one another as good stewards, steward the gift, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let him who speak, speak as it were the oracles of God. Let him who serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies. So we took that and said, Pastor Peter is giving us five framing principles in those couple of verses. Number one is this. Christians got talent, each and every one of us. Now, let me remind you, not a, that we're not talking, everybody has natural talents, but only Christians have spiritual gifts and talent everybody has natural talent but only christians have spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts are not your natural talent spiritual gifts will determine how you use your natural talent can I give you an illustration i was just sitting here thinking about this illustration as john was saying he had two voice coaches teachers that told him Go back and play the piano. You wouldn't believe what they would have told me if they'd have heard me sing. Uh, fall back wouldn't have been the piano, I can tell you that. Uh, it'd have been, why don't you just be quiet, I, might, I imagine. No, no, I, I won't be quiet because uh, John's going to teach me how to sing in the choir. So I'll, I'll, I'll show up there. But I, I love to hear people that can sing and certainly Christians that love the Lord. Well, I, in my era growing up, that familiar baritone voice of George Beverly Shea was always around. And then as I became a believer, I was drawn to the singing and ministry of Michael Card. I was drawn to listen to him. Now, both of those guys have a natural talent. It's singing. George Beverly Shea has a spiritual gift of evangelism. And he uses his natural talent to support the proclamation of the gospel. Michael Card, if you've ever followed Michael Card, if you haven't, just take my word for this. Michael Card has a gift, musical gift, natural talent, and singing. But he's a teacher. He'll take a text of scripture, and he will develop five or six songs out of that one text, the way I would do five or six points in a sermon. He's a teacher. One uses the natural talent for evangelism. One uses it for uh, uh, for uh, teaching. Your natural talents will be used in the context of your spiritual gifts as you discover them, develop them, and deploy them. Number two, Peter taught us that spiritual gifts are received. They're not invented. They are not originating originating from us. They are received, and God has designed them and delivered them. I cannot say that enough because it keeps getting repeated. In 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, they all keep repeating. These gifts are God's design. He owns them. He has given them to you to use them, and he has delivered them to you. You receive them from him as a stewardship. Number three, we are to steward those gifts. We are to discover. 
discover them, develop them, and deploy them as the, those which the Lord has designed and delivered. Number four, there are two interdependent categories of spiritual gifts. Peter says they're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. Now, we're not, we're not doing it this week. We're going to do it when we get back to the text. But what we're going to see, particularly in Romans 12, I'm going to show you how the gifts fit, uh, fit under speaking or they fit under serving. You can even see it reflected in the offices of the church. Elder, who are mentors and teachers and shepherds, and then deacons who are serving. And in fact, we talk about this. Ministries will show up in word ministries and deed ministries. Now, let me quickly say, see the word interdependent? Speaking gift people have to serve. Serving gift people are supposed to speak. It's not, it's not just, um, just, I speak and I don't serve, or I serve and I don't speak. No. Speaking give people serve, serving give people speak. And that's why word and deed are so important in ministry, as the two combine together in and through the Lord. Number five, there are two indispensable resources. You have the speaking gifts are to speak the word of God, and the serving gifts are to do so by the strength which God supplies. So the lifelines from heaven to us are the word of God and the spirit of God in all of the Christian life, including our spiritual gifts. Well, that brings us from Pastor Peter's framing principles to the text that we've got in front of us, and that's Pastor Paul, and that truly Pastor Paul, because he gets a letter from the church at Corinth. He had pastored them 18 months, and after he has left, he's gone for some bit of time, and after he was gone, he gets a letter from them, and they have numerous concerns, numerous concerns. In fact, they send him the top seven. My guess is they had more than this. The Lord's Supper was messed up. Sexual ethics was messed up. Uh, ministry was messed up. Um, the uh, proper uh, honoring of leadership was messed up. He went, there's seven of them, and you can find them because each of them begins with this phrase, now concerning. Now concerning. In other words, the concerns you sent. Now concerning those, and he starts to give them answers, and one of those was spiritual gifts. And as he gives these answers to the spiritual gifts, the first thing he does, uh, he begins to give them clarity. He gives them conversion clarity. There's the first principle. You can't have a spiritual gift unless you're converted. Unless the Holy Spirit has given you the ability to say Jesus is Lord. Now, in that text I read, would you look back at it just for a moment? Where it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Folks, that solves a problem that we have in theology today. We've got one branch of the church that says, come to Jesus and you can be born again. The other branch of the church, and I believe the the biblical answer to that is that's not accurate. I understand why you're saying it, but it's not accurate. You can't come to Jesus by faith and repentance and surrender as Lord unless you've been born again. You must be. You cannot say. Why? We're spiritually dead. Dead people can't bring themselves to life. Spiritually dead people can't bring themselves to life. To be spiritual, you got to be born again. When you're born again, you're converted. Therefore, spiritual gifts are not, first of all, spiritual gifts are not given for salvation. Jesus says in Matthew 7, there'll be a whole class of people 
who said they were Christians and their, and their affirmation and their confidence was that they were doing things in the name of spiritual gifts. Now, were they, were they saved and lost? No, no. They were never saved to begin with. Did they have true spiritual gifts? No. But they had mimicked spiritual gifts. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not do great and glorious things in your name? And I'll say to them, To many, there'll be many, many of them. Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Spiritual gifts are not given for salvation. Spiritual gifts are given to the saved. You can't have a spiritual gift until you're spiritual. And you're not spiritual until the Holy Spirit gives you new life. No one can say. Now, anyone may say, you got permission to say Jesus is Lord. But you can't say it. Whosoever will may come, but no man can come unless the Father draws him by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's conversion clarity. Spiritual gifts are not for salvation. Spiritual gifts are for the saved who have been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we saw that discipleship's necessary. Paul is writing back. He's not rebuking them. He is saying, listen, when you were led astray and however you were led astray, when he says that you were led astray to serve mute idols and and your paganism, when you were pagans, however you were led, what he's saying is this. There is no one single track in, in paganism and in unbelief. Satan provides multiple isms, cults. Scientism, positivism, materialism, pragmatism, consumerism. He's got all kinds of pathways of idolatry uh, to capture the hearts and minds. So however you were led, the fact is paganism, the worship and service of mute idols, is what you had learned and those and that old way of thinking got to remember please remember when you become a christian and you're converted yes you have a new heart you've been born again you have a new record you've been justified you got a new family you've been adopted you've got a new life the holy spirit is in you and you have a new home that you're headed to what you don't have is a new mind But you got the word and the spirit to renew the mind. And that's why he's given pastor teachers. And that's why he's given teachers. And that's why he's given disciplers. So we can disciple. Teaching them to observe all. Because every morning you and I wake up and the old man throws up on the uh, on the screen, the screen of our life. I'm trying to be relevant, but talk computer language here. I don't know what I'm saying. But I do know when I turn on the computer, there's something that comes up automatically. What comes up automatically every morning is the old man that wants to take over. you got to kill him. And you got to put off to put on. Not to be saved, you're saved. But to live for your Savior and to use your spiritual gifts. Paganism, I don't care what form it is. Uh, Again, I want to give credit to some of the things that I heard uh, Alistair say about this. And I've just kind of built on it. Paganism always emphasizes. Get this, please. Paganism always emphasizes the ecstatic, the exotic, the dramatic, and often the erotic. 
the ecstatic, the exotic, the dramatic, and often the erotic. And if you go look at the seven things that they wrote him about, you'll see all of those. All of those. Even the sexual immorality. Even uh, at every single point. And that's what we constantly want to make it about ourselves with drama, ecstasy, our next experience, the exotic. Nobody's got this. Man, I'm something. Look what I got. Not simply what Jesus has done for me, but look what Jesus has done for me. And then even... To cover the cloak of erotic sin. Well, that's what he's saying. I've got to disciple you. And discipleship is a cascading event in the church. Using the means of grace. It starts from the pulpit. It goes to the lectern of the community. It goes to the small group in interactive Bible study. It goes into one-on-one for a season and a reason. It is a constant overflow whereby informationally and relationally we go life to life in order to help one another grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Number three, it's got to be God-glorifying and self-denying humility. In other words, you gotta, it's got to be Jesus as Lord, not me. It's got to be Jesus as Lord. And that means you got to die to yourself. And that means you want to live to the glory of God. Self-denying, God-glorifying humility. Can I ask you all something? Does anyone here think that John the Baptist had been gifted by the Lord to serve him and called to a particular ministry for a particular? Remember the gifts, effects, uh, gifts, ministries, and effect. Do you all believe John the Baptist had a gift? Do y'all believe John the Baptist had a ministry? Do y'all believe John the Baptist had a, John the Baptist had a, a, an effect? Amen. What was this said? About, what did John the Baptist tell you about profile in ministry? He must increase. I must decrease. God glorifying, self denying humility. Number four, the ministry, the spiritual gifts are trinitarian designed and delivered and empowered notice what it said it says that there are the gifts of the spirit here's what he says in verse four there are varieties of gifts same spirit there are varieties of ministries same lord there are varieties of effects same god so here you see the trinitarian dynamic of the christian life in the area of spiritual gifts the holy spirit brings these gifts to you that they are then to be employed in the ministries of christ those four ministries the ministry of upreach worship the ministry of outreach evangelism the ministry of inreach um, loving one another and and assimilation and Folding and the ministry of downreach, disciple making. Those are the four ministries that we engage in that are outlined for us in Acts 2 and in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. So your gift, now listen, we all worship, we all evangelize, we all love one another, and we all disciple and are discipled. But some are gifted to in worship, some are gifted in evangelism, some are gifted in enfolding, some are gifted 
gifted in disciple making. And those who are gifted, then carries the, they carry those things forward. So there are gifts, ministries, and effects. And the triune God is working this in the body of Christ. Number five, spiritual gifts are God-delivered, God-designed, and God-directed. They are they are delivered by God. They are designed by God. They are directed by God. Now let's go to another one, uh, if you would. Go with me to um, go with me to verse seven. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So let me give you three more understanding principles, and uh, we'll just, um, and then a takeaway. Um, We'll give them to you very quickly. Spiritual gifts are given to be used, not unused, not misused, and not abused. They're given to be used. They're not given to put in a trophy chest. They're not given to put in a closet. They are given to be used, not unused, not misused, and not abused. They're to be stewarded. Remember what Peter said? As each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it. Let me encourage y'all, uh, spoiler alert, we've got two more in 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll go to Romans 12, and Romans 12 will be very simple because it's really a distillation with just a few added insights of 1 Corinthians 12. It too will have a listing of gifts there. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert number one, I just read for you some spiritual gifts. I know as you read them, you said, oh, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say about that. If I'm going to be mad or glad. I know. I know. So spoiler alert. I'm not doing that this morning. But we are coming back and you'll get the opportunity to be mad or glad or whatever. However we deal with those. We're going to take a look at those. I know there's a lot of controversy. Uh, We'll deal with it biblically and appropriately and and, uh, lovingly. And so we're going to go to those. And you've got them listed in Romans chapter 12. You've got some more gifts in Ephesians chapter 4. But you are not going to find a comprehensive listing of the gifts. You're not going to find it. By my count, I found 19 gifts mentioned. I believe there's more than that. Why? Because here's something else we're going to find out. Every one of you have a gift. Every one of you has a unique gift. How are you going to, how are you going to list all of the unique gifts of all of the elect? He is giving you representative, representative. He's giving you two categories, speaking and serving. He's told you it's Trinitarian, designed, delivered, and directed. And they're different. They are unique. I believe 
Every one of us, while you can point to the lead dynamic in our spiritual gifts, it's backed up with a constellation of gifts. It's not just simply, I got a gift. He has given you multiple gifts. But he has so framed it that it is unique and it has a lead element to it. But here's what I want you to get this morning. He gave it to you to use. And the best way to start discovering, developing, and deploy, the best way to start discovering and developing is go ahead and start deploying. He gave the gifts to us to be used in ministries for the effect. And I love the way Romans says this same thing. To the one To the one who is given the gift of teaching, teach. To the one who's given the gift of giving, give. He didn't give the gift as a marker in your profile and your CV. The gift is given to use. That we all have a gift and we've been given the gift to use. That's why he has given it to us. This isn't exhaustive. We got more gifts in 1 Corinthians 14. This isn't exhaustive. We got more gifts in Romans 12. This isn't exhaustive. We got more gifts in Ephesians 4. None of these are exhaustive because every single one of you has a unique gift. It fits into basically speaking or serving. It's Trinitarianly developed, and we will be able to see them and understand them. But Yeah, I cannot say this enough. You will not understand your gift and develop your gift, discover it and develop it without deploying it. Employ your gifts in serving the Lord and one another. Um, Number three, uh, and uh, number, uh, let me give you number seven. Spiritual gifts are given to be used, not not unused, not misused, not abused. But they are given to be used, how? Well, we know for God's glory. And now we know for the common good, functionally. We've been given spiritual gifts to be used for God's glory, ultimately, and for the common good. Spiritual gifts are not given to operate independent of the body of Christ, his church. They are given in the context of the common good. Now, folks, I'm going to say some things that are radical now for many of us. But I'm going to go ahead and say them because I think they have to be understood. Spiritual gifts are not given for personal gratification. They are given for others' edification. It's not about us. The gift is not about us. Spiritual gifts are given not for personal gratification. They are given for other edification. Spiritual gifts are not given for personal exaltation. It's not given. I don't care if he's given you five drums to beat or two drums to beat. The five drums given to someone is never given for personal exaltation. Spiritual gifts are not given for personal gratification, but for others' edification. They are not given for personal exaltation, 
but for Christ's proclamation. Not for our exaltation, but for Christ's proclamation. Spiritual gifts are not given for personal fulfillment. They are given for ministry fulfillment. They're given for ministry fulfillment. I'm just going to say them now. I'm going to say that again and again. Because every time I get to listening to spiritual gifts, it's almost always about the steward of the gift and not about others and Christ and the kingdom. Now, can I give you the backdoor good news? If we start living this way, you have no idea how gratifying that is. You have no idea how honoring that is to the Lord. We have yet to find that out. So here is our gifts. They're not for personal gratification, other edification. Not for personal exaltation, but Christ's proclamation. Not for personal fulfillment, but for ministry fulfillment. They're not to be ignored, and they're not to be idolized. Sometimes I was trying to think of an illustration on this, and I just I couldn't help but think of Christmas gifts. How many times we get a Christmas gift, and it seems like, let me ask you something. Let me do it this way. When you give a gift to someone at their birthday or their, at Christmas, and you give a gift, what brings you the greatest satisfaction um, what brings you the greatest satisfaction as someone that's given the gift to someone? For me, it's when I show up three months later and they're wearing it or using it. But for many of us, we get a gift and it becomes an idol. And we don't use it because we're too busy worshiping it. Or we get a gift and we we don't know. They didn't pay enough money for that one. That didn't have the right label. And it goes up on the shelf. And it's ignored. How many Christmas gifts are ignored on shelves? They're not even regifted. They're just ignored. Or how many become idolized? No, spiritual gifts are never to be idolized nor ignored. They are to be used for the work of the kingdom and for the common good of one another. Number eight, and this is the last principle. We've got two more, and we'll get that after, after the missions conference. But here's the eighth one. Spiritual gifts are sovereignly given and empowered by God himself. I love the sovereignty of God that breaks through in the last verse I read. Go to verse 11. All these, every gift that's given, are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Just as we are saved by sovereign grace, we are gifted by sovereign grace from the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at the takeaway. Our God designed, our God designed and delivered spiritual gift, if ignored or idolized, actually assaults the glory of God and cripples 
the body of Christ. But if discovered, developed, and deployed, will keep us together on mission, on message, in ministry. For the God's glory and the common good. Folks, I, I again searched around for an illustration on this, and I'm going to an area I am utterly ignorant but I'm, so I'm not going to say much, but I'm going to say what I have looked up. I've, I've been searching for trying to find out how can I best communicate what this looks like. Diversity, everyone has a unique gift. But together, the unity of being on mission, on message, and in ministry with everyone using the gift that God has designed so that we're moving, not missing a leg, not missing an arm, not limping, but everyone there, battlefield, all everybody in their place, uh, battleships, all hands on deck, every man manning their position. <laughs> I said, I've used enough military, let me go to my softer side, And that is, how about a symphony? Would that communicate? A symphony. So I did a little work reading about it. You know what I found out about a symphony? Almost all symphonies have four movements. All symphonies. And it has to do with winds and brass and all of that stuff that is beyond me. So I'll stop there. But I found out they have four, all, basically all symphonies have four movements. And everyone, all of those, all of those symphony members, all of those men of that orchestra, all have an individual instrument and all have their own musical score that has come from the composition. And they played their score on their instrument. And the energy that it brings as each one embraces and uses their instrument with the notes that have been provided for them. All of that diversity comes together. Now, if it doesn't, if they, if they don't have a conductor, it will end up a cacophony. But if the conductor brings them together, The Holy Spirit who gave us our instruments. Jesus who has provided our four movements. Upreach, outreach, inreach, downreach, worship, evangelism, enfolding, loving, and discipling. And we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Then the Father brings the glorious effect of his glory. You see, this is why I believe all four texts that we're studying on spiritual gifts, all four texts are packaged with love. Ephesians 4, did you hear it? As we use our gifts, speak truth in love. Ephesians 4, did you hear it? Building ourselves up in love. 1 Corinthians 12, what's the next chapter after 1 Corinthians 12? Chapter 13. Then he's going to take on the tough stuff about worship and spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14. What is it that, what is it that Peter said? Peter says that we are to do this 
by keeping fervent in your love for one another. Romans 12 calls us to to uh, be all the more diligent in, in Romans 12 in your love for one another. Folks, you can't do this. We can't do this unless we love God, unless we love one another, common good. It's not about us. We can't do it unless we love God, unless we love one another, and we got to love the lost. Those loves have to fill us. Otherwise, we'll become a cacophony. I don't know who to give credit to this, but I was reading an article recently, and it just struck me for this sermon. You see, ultimately, the body of Christ is on mission, on message, in ministry, with every member supplying what God has designed and delivered. And it's all done in love, and it is to be done saturated with the love of God, the love of one another, and the love of the lost. And here's what we finally realize. This is doxological. Folks, we're not in a culture war. Let me quote this guy's article. We're in a glory war. Is the world going to decimate the glory of God? Are we going to make it about our glory? Or is it about His glory? Glory to God. The gifts come from Him. The ministries come from Him. The effects come from Him. Glory to God in the highest. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you please take your word and speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, it is only when your glory fills our soul, the love of Christ compels us, and the Spirit of God empowers us, and the ministries of Christ attract us, and the glory of our great God obsesses us, that diversity becomes unity, cacophony becomes symphony. Therefore, O God, On this journey of learning and being informed from your word about spiritual gifts. We simply desire to praise God from whom all blessings flow. Friend, you've today heard that this Jesus who died for your sins to save you, gifts you. But the very first step is your salvation. Perhaps the Lord's brought you here today to hear that Jesus sovereignly saves. And those whom he saves, he gives. You can have a glorious life for his glory. But today, let's stop falling short of God's glory. And come to Christ, who left glory, that you might have everlasting life. Now... And into eternity. If you would like to pray with someone. Please don't let this moment pass. 
I invite you to Christ. I do so by also giving you another invitation. There are some people up here at the front who will be glad to personally and privately pray with you. And today, if you're here with a burden and you need someone to pray with, then come and pray for these who are here to join you before the throne of grace. God, we praise your name. Glory be to God in the highest. May our salvation be for your glory, to the praise of your glory. May our, may our spiritual gifts in ministry be for your glory. And may you keep us together on mission, on message, in ministry. And the glory war won. Praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader. Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.